Welcome, everybody. This is episode 14 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. As always, Tucson Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Altitude Home Loans and our good friend, Danny Plattner. Altitude Home Loans is a company that I've used in the past, as well as other people I know, for my mortgage needs. And go there for your mortgage and refinance needs. You can visit dannyplattner.com. His phone number is 520-241-1428. He's the Senior Vice President and Loan Officer with Altitude Home Loans. And Altitude Home Loans is an equal housing lender. All right. I am Ryan DeJoe. I'm the Coaching Director for the Junior Roadrunners. And we're going to do the North today, the Scotiabank North Division with a good friend of mine and someone who's very much a big hockey fan himself and currently resides in Canada. I wanted a true Canadian for this one. And I got one, not, not like the quitters we have where they moved to Arizona because they were tired of snow and stayed here. But a good friend of mine, Ian Bell, joins us today. Ian, thanks for coming on. No snow yet here today. <laughs> so tell the well, just before we get into it, where are you physically right now? I'm uh, in downtown Vancouver, four blocks from, uh, I think it's called Rogers Arena, or I think it's changed names again, but where the Canucks play. And uh, we're recording this. Uh, it's about it's about four o'clock here, Arizona time. The season has just kicked off. Pittsburgh and the Flyers are playing right now. But Ian, talk a little bit about uh, where you grew up in your hockey career. I grew up in uh, Burnaby, home of uh, Joe Sackett, Cliff Ronning, Cam Neely. Who else? Uh, well, I guess a lot more uh, younger guys. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, so uh played uh played all over the place. I've uh I've been a beer league goalie now for probably uh thirty years. And uh and uh I've represented Canada and Europe and uh I uh, uh pretty prolific in uh traveling to play with friends, including yourself, in tournaments all over the place. That was a great experience. And I guess how you know me is you ran into my uh, very world-traveled wayward brother at various <laughs> ventures over the years. Yeah, you, you, well, you've, you've been added to my roster of ringers, but uh, he was one of my original ringers. Yeah, so I, would I, definitely opt for, I would definitely opt for the older Joe for any hockey, uh, for any hockey ringerdom. <laughs> He's good in the bar, too, let's face it. <laughs> he, he is. This PG podcast a little bit. We'll, we'll, yep. save, we'll save that for the explicit version. That's uh, members only, but he's uh, good at the opera. There you go. He, he is, and uh, no, you've ca- you've come down and you played with us uh, in Memorial Day a little bit, and we've had some fun. And you're also in, in a further connection to Tucson. You're a big fan of fighter planes, and your favorite is the A10 Warthog, which the is A10 Warthog known for. Absolutely, yeah. I can't wait for us to get those new jerseys up and running. I know one one of these days, and uh, just a little bit more background uh, on your website, which is ianbell.com, I remember you wrote an article about how team sports players are very good employees, and you even did some analytics on that. Talk a little bit about that article and how that came about, and some of the conclusions you saw and you drew. In uh, 2007, I built a service called Rosterbot, which is kind of the uh, granddaddy of all online team managers. Uh, and when we started building out a team to uh, help me advance that uh, service, uh, which eventually grew to about 800,000 users, about 40% of them were hockey players. Um, one of my uh, goals was I was only going to hire people who played team sports and had a background in team sports. And obviously, it's because I wanted people that understood uh, the user experience intuitively, and uh, that would help us all build a better product. But the the side effect of that, the byproduct of that, is we had we we had a team that was just naturally cohesive, and a team wherein uh, everybody pulled everybody else along. Right? Not everybody has an A day every time they show up for work, and uh, um, so what I found was that uh, a it was by far the most fun place I ever have worked in my career. And B, uh, you know, we just had an incredible uh, team dynamic working for us. And uh, anyone who's listening to this who plays on a hockey team probably understands, you know, when that when that situation is good and when it's bad. But in our case, we just had incredible cohesiveness. And I have achieved that before, but this was a shortcut to uh, being able to build that in really rapid fashion 
So it's my new, it's my new philosophy. And I remember you quoted John Wooden in there. Uh, one of the books I received from a good friend of mine who I worked with, and he was a U of A basketball player way back when, and his father was the athletic director at U of A here a long time ago. He had a brother that coached the NFL a long time. He gave me John Wooden's book, and it was something that was very influential to me. So I always yeah. like to see those John Wooden quotes get out there. And it's a great book for anybody else to read. John Wooden's book on coaching and the pyramid, as he calls it, is a good start for anybody. Really, in any walk of life, it's beneficial. As I've, as I've grown professionally, you know, I'm reading Brian Burke's book right now. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I've started to learn that good leadership, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's something we could all probably glean, but uh, I'm learning from athletic coaches in being a better corporate leader. And uh, a lot of those lessons do translate and do apply. And uh, uh, so it's, it's been interesting. Brian Burke is someone I would consider to be a real leader in the sport of hockey. And uh, so to a great extent, he's, uh, he's really influencing me right now. But other folks that I've known over the years, I mean, Pat Quinn's a guy I met quite a few times, and that is a guy that just oozed leadership out of every pore. And uh, he did it in a soft way. He did it in a quiet way. He was He's not a person who yells, um, except when it's really hitting the fan. But, uh, uh, you know, you can draw lessons from each of these people uh, as you go through life. And and so I'm starting to be much more inspired by coaches than uh, I might have otherwise. I agree. And I you maybe it started for me because Leonardo was my favorite Ninja Turtle. So <laughs> maybe it's maybe it was a natural progression that I, I became a coaching director. <laughs> Makes total sense. So <laughs> and, and I, I encourage everyone uh, to check out Rosterbot. It's a great thing. We're kind of locked into Sports Engine. Long story, but uh, Rosterbot was something that. I, I did and in, in, uh, started using myself when I was running adult teams. So more importantly, we have hockey back today. The NHL regular season starts today. So talk a little bit about what the fervor is around Canada. You're in downtown Vancouver. What's the feeling like? What's the energy with people you know about the all-Canadian Scotia North Division? Well, I don't think it's really started to hit the fan base yet because I think, I think this season is kind of sneaking up on people. Uh, but uh, I think that for those of us who have actually been paying attention, I think that <clears throat> the idea of an all-Canadian division is this is a really great time for that to happen, for one thing. I mean, we just had in the last playoffs, uh, six of seven Canadian teams made the playoffs. So you've got pretty strong teams uh, across the country um, with some caveats there. But uh, uh, so... I think it's going to be a great division and a tough division uh, to get out of. And uh, um, this might be one of those years where, where, where the divisions are not aligned. They are not perfectly balanced. Um, I mean, they never are, but they, this might, this one might be particularly out of whack. Um, I see the East is pretty strong. Uh, the Canadian, the North division is going to be super strong. So whoever gets out of this has a pretty strong chance of winning the cup this time around. Now, I said on our East preview podcast that the East was the strongest division top to bottom. Now, I'm going to give you a chance to talk me out of it. Now, the Canadian division has seven teams and the East has eight. So um, here's your lane right now. Tell me why the North division is the best division after the realignment. <laughs> or do well, you want to agree? I, I, I'm going to say that it has. I'm going to say that it has some of the stronger teams. Um, I, I think that the, there's probably two or three teams that uh, you could argue strongly against right now. I'm thinking of Winnipeg, Ottawa, and and, and the Habs. Um, and Winnipeg, though, they still have Connor Hellebuck, the the reigning Vezina winner. Wonder King, yeah, yeah. And then um, who's uh, and then. Montreal made some moves in the offseason to get better. I still think they're a ways away, but a healthy carry yeah. price in a short season also. Goaltending goes a long way. And then Ottawa improved really in all three facets, depending on how much you believe in Matt Murray. Uh, so talk a, talk a little bit of, well, I, you know what? We'll go team by team. I'm sure we'll get to Ottawa at some point. <laughs> but go ahead and, and close the loop on uh, your thought about kind of the discount of Ottawa, Montreal, Winnipeg. 
Well, so Otto gets uh, Stetzel, right? The German kid. Um, I think that he could make a, an impact pretty quick. A lot of people watched him in the World Juniors and thought he could just step right into that team. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, often there's a pretty big spread between, you know, uh, World Junior competitive play and NHL. But, uh, um, you know. Remember, I'm a, I'm a Sabre fan. I watched Casey Middlestat light that tournament up, and we're still kind of waiting on him to make his NHL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The, I, I, the challenge with Ottawa is just, you know, I, they have made improvements. All the teams would argue they've made improvements. Uh, but Ottawa has been such a basket case for the last two years that, uh, and, and they sat out, um, a good chunk of, uh, this past year. So, uh, these guys aren't exactly, uh, in the thick of it, uh, to the degree that some of the other Canadian teams like Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, even Calgary are, uh, Toronto. So, uh, I don't know. It remains to be seen, um, I don't. I'm not a believer in some of these pickups that uh, the Canadians got uh, over the last uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, uh, I like Calgary. Calgary picked up half of the Canucks. You know, taking Jacob Markstrom is is an extremely bold move and uh, has a pretty big impact on their on their uh, cap. But uh, he's an awesome goalie. He is an awesome goalie. I've had the chance to watch him play uh, in person quite a bit and uh, talk to him. And, and he's just such a uh, a balanced uh, goaltender. And uh, so I think he's really formidable. And it sucks that uh, Canucks fans are going to have to watch him play for another team for an entire year. Um, coach Johnny's so, going to like that. We have, uh, we have yeah. a hockey coach from Cochrane just outside yeah. of – Calgary, and we also have families from Edmonton and, and specifically Fort McMurray that are big Oiler fans. So, nice. we, we ha- and we have families from Winnipeg area as well. Family from Winnipeg area. So we're trying to we 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 have some Canadian coverage in our uh, youth <laughs> program as well. No, I I'll mean, tell you, I'll tell you a funny story uh, from 1994. So my uh, he's kind of my roommate off and on. Good friend of mine, Carlo, went to pick up his girlfriend at the end of the school year. This was in 1994. And uh, if you recall your uh, Vancouver Canucks history, which I know you do, um, the Canucks defeated three Canadian teams to get to the Stanley Cup final against the Rangers. And uh, so Carlo goes to pick up his girlfriend from, um, I think it was uh, Waterloo or one of the Ontario universities, maybe Queens. And uh, and he's going to drive back across the country in this old Ford LTD. In those days, uh, the local papers here used to print uh, big cardboard signs saying "Go Canucks, go!" every time the Canucks made the playoffs. And so he got like five of those, and he put them in the windows of the car as he drove across the country. And as he's coming back from Ontario now, you know the Canucks have eliminated the Leafs and uh, Calgary, and. Uh, uh, I think it was Edmonton, but uh, 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 people are people are trying to run him off the road. <laughs> people are uh, giving him the finger. One one set of guys in Saskatchewan chased them into a restaurant and started yelling at them. And so the Canucks are not loved uh, nationwide in Canada. So uh, a lot of people are predicting that Quebec's actually could come out on top of uh, this division this year, uh, and that'll that'll really uh, irritate a lot of the rest of Canadian fans. It's like driving with Ohio plates in Atlanta. Although yeah. I, I'm not that's not a thing, but I heard about that being a thing after General Sherman in the Civil War. Re- read a book, kids, or or just watch the watch the Ken Burns documentary with all this free time. No, and I I'm glad you brought up the '94 Canucks because. A guy that is very much in the Phoenix hockey circle is Greg Adams. He's yeah, a guy yeah. played at uh, Northern Arizona when they still had an NCAA team, and he's uh, you know in and around the U of A program. He came down as part of our Learn to Play program the one year. Came out on the ice with our kids down in Tucson. So he's insane. He 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 could still play in the NHL. I'm convinced he's like 55. I think he's in now. way better shape than I am. I mean, yeah. I know that. I, I mean, if we got in a fight for some reason then and there, I'm going to be on the losing end in about three seconds. When he comes up here, I generally end up playing with or against him. And uh, 
I, I, I fear no player more than I fear him right now. (laughs) But again, a very nice guy. Yeah. uh, Oh yeah. Enjoys his time in Arizona. You can tell still very in shape and tanned. Um, Still the opposite of me, even though I've now been living in Arizona for 12 years. So yeah, he's really embraced, uh, you know, like he's really embraced his relationship with the fans in Vancouver. He's, uh, pretty supportive of charity events and stuff up here so you get to see him pretty often or at least you did before covid oh uh, no that's a great team and a good friend of mine that i used to work with down here his father-in-law is mike keenan so i you know they had the 25th anniversary of uh, the rangers yes and so i've a little bit of insider you know there's a picture of mike keenan uh a famous picture of mike keenan when they win the 94 cup and his daughter's next to him and i know her she's a friend of mine her her husband and i are good friends even that's even funny. to this day even though they've you know, they moved on uh, a handful of years ago to uh, another part of the country. Still very much stay in touch and talk hockey. So just the small hockey world. So, all right. Well, I well, I don't know if I actually got your answer. Is the North no, better than the East in your opinion? Uh, cumulatively, no. But I think the stronger teams in the in the in the North will. Uh, I'd put the stronger teams in the North against the stronger teams in the East this year. All right. Well, let's dive into it. We got seven teams in this division. So when you look top to bottom, are you taking Ottawa last? Or are you going to surprise us by saying someone sneaks under them? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, so, you know, I would have liked. I'm not going to go in order necessarily. I, I, I'm thinking about Patrick Lyonet. He doesn't want to play in Winnipeg. Right. So uh, and he's pretty stubborn. Uh, his personality is uh a bit like a Lindros in the sense that he, he does think he's bigger than the team. So I don't know how that scenario is going to play out. He's either going to play uh, with a little less enthusiasm, which is going to badly hurt that team because it suffers a lot in scoring, right? And uh, um, they brought in guys like Stasny and Thompson. Uh, is that really going to counteract this dynamic that's going to, permeate the locker room um we were talking earlier about how the locker room is so important to the team dynamic i truly believe that's the case uh and now everyone in that locker room knows that their star player doesn't want to be there that's huge uh do you you think he gets moved uh well it's short season um it's 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 really tough to say um it's not going to be good if he stays put it that way um, so yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm, I, you know, Halibut's great. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, uh, I love Shifley. Um, but, uh, but we're not going to see, I don't think a very high performing team this year. So do they finish, do they finish under Ottawa or is Ottawa still seven? I, I still say Ottawa would have paid. Calgary or Calgary, uh, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Canadians. Anyone can lose among those three. All right. Well, let's um, let's let's talk about the Jets roster a little bit more. So this is a top six that's still pretty good. Wheeler, Connor, Line A may be motivated. I mean, he's still got a contract to sign after this season. That's a good motivation. Still, yeah. if you if you want to get moved and sign your next contract, Stastny, Shifley, Ehlers. Not not bad. Yep, you lose Eakin. And I like I, I like Lowry. I like Cop as bottom six guys. I think Jack Roslovic still has a, a, a lot of talent. I don't know why it just hasn't meshed, and he seems to always want out. But I, I think that's someone with some talent who can be a legit middle six forward. Yeah, Winnipeg's been a tough place to play the last few years, right? I mean, it's just been. Uh, I think it's debilitating for those guys. It's a tough winter there too. Yeah, I think, well, Josh, I mean, Josh Morrissey has established himself as a high-end defenseman. Whether Dylan DeMello can join him this year, I think, is the big thing for them. If they can have a good top pair with Hellebuck with some top six scoring. And again, this division's so tight. Like I've said for some of the other divisions, especially the East, is you might go from first to last in the last 10 days of the season. It might be that yeah. tight. And, you know, overtime points being so much more important in a short season it's you could throw a dartboard maybe and you might have one through eight change places in the last three games of the season. Yeah. Well, I think it'll come down to the two Connors, Connor Halibut and Kyle Connor. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I always, I will always shout out Kyle Connor. He played his USHL hockey in my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio and went to 
the same high school my mother did and went to high school with my cousins. So I, I'll always love Kyle Connor. Um, but I, no, I agree with you. I mean, you look at this top six and you look at Connor Hellebuck in net and maybe they finish sixth or seventh. Maybe they finish first. I, I, oh. I, I think I'm, I think I'm a little higher on Winnipeg than you might be, but let's, let's switch gears and let's talk about the senators a little bit. This is, this is an over, you want to talk about a roster overhaul. A lot of teams made some moves. This team overhauled its roster. You bring in yeah. uh, Dadnov, step on, you bring in Austin Watson, you bring in Alex Galchenyuk, you have Tim Stutzla coming up, you trade for, um, uh, you trade for Matt Murray and you re- you completely remake your goaltending. You have guys like Batherson and um, um, I, I can't, uh, they have another good forward, but I remember, oh, yeah. uh, well, you trade for Gabranson. They had, Batherson was really good in the AHL and, you know, it's, I, I you know, AHL guys of his age that have shown well in the AHL usually are heard from a little bit in the league. It's not like they just go from being a top scorer in the AHL to nothing. They're usually able to score at a pretty good clip still in the NHL. And then you have Nikita Zaitsev and Erica Branson and Braden Coburn that they signed on the back end. So this is a completely different team than the last time we saw him nine months ago. I think you're seeing a lot of guys cycle through Ottawa the last two or three years who are struggling in one way or another. They're either sort of near the bottom of their career or uh, or they're just finding it hard to fit in with certain teams. Good Branson's one of those, right? He's a good guy. He used to be my neighbor. Um, but uh, he has he struggled with the Canucks. He struggled at a few different teams to, to find his game. Um, I don't know that that struggle is going to end in Ottawa. I hope it does because he's a, he's a great guy and he's a really skilled player and he's got a lot of grit. Um, Matt Murray, uh, again, he's, he struggled. He's a great goalie. Uh, stole the top spot away from probably one of the greatest goalies in the history of the game. Um, uh, but again, he struggled the last couple of years, right? Does he have a bounce back or do you think that's what he I think is? he does. Well, I think he in generally has bounce back in him. It, can he do it with this team with so much change and, and with the team itself struggling at the management level and struggling at the coaching? I mean, there's just there are too many stories in the Ottawa Senators right now for it to be an assurance of success here. Right. So I uh, I don't know. I I. I you know, Galchenyuk, great player, Dadnov even, you know, um, all these guys they're bringing in. They didn't give up a ton to to bring in all these players. But the reason is uh, they're all sort of in the uh, open box section of the store, right? <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting because Vegas basically built a cup contending team off of guys like that. Um, it yeah, appears that's what the senators are trying to do, but I don't know if they have the formula. They, they might have one second line and three third lines, which is not a bad thing. That's what people thought Vegas was. And that's a good comparison. Uh, they pick up. Uh, I mean, when you look down their top forwards, it's Derek Stepan, second, maybe third line guy as he, as he hits 30 dad Yeah. He was a top end guy in Florida, but maybe more of like a good second line scorer. If your team's really good, he's going to be on your middle six. Colin white's a middle six center. Artem Anisimov is a 3-4 th- center. Connor Brown's a 3-4 winger. Chris Tierney's a th- number three center. Cedric Paquette, maybe he has more offense in him just because he was playing a role in Tampa. But again, he's a bottom six guy. Austin Watson's a bottom six guy. Galchenyuk is flash, but he's more of a guy you want on your third line to maybe spark a little bit of offense from down there. You don't know what you get from Stutzla. Josh Norris, Batherson. Uh, maybe they're ready to make an ascension. Really, you hope that Brady Kachuk and Stutzla yeah. become first-line players. Maybe they do it this year. Maybe it's too hopeful to say that they're going to do it this year, but I know that's coming in the future. If there's room for, if there's ever going to be room for them to do that, it's now. That's for sure. And Brady Kachuk, I think, is one of the linchpins, right? But uh, yeah, I, I really hope the best for Stutzla. I really liked watching him uh, play in the World Juniors. I saw quite a few of their games. And, uh, I did too. Uh, JJ Paterka is a Buffalo draft pick that I was extremely impressed with watching those Germany games. 
yeah. as a second rounder. And you have a top pair of Shabbat and Zaitsev, which Shabbat's becoming a legit number one all-around defenseman if he's not there already. And maybe that frees up Zaitsev as someone who, he never had that kind of partner in Toronto, so his mistakes were amplified on a team that would take some punches to throw some punches. So maybe with some more defensively responsible forwards, maybe Zaitsev gets a little bit more freedom out there. So the open box section comes to the NHL. I, I, I think this will be an interesting season for them. I don't expect a lot, but, you know, it's an opportunity for Stutzla to really step into the role. That's going to be exciting to see if he does. I, I mean, He was, I, yeah, Zegras rightfully so is the MVP. I thought Stutzla and Paterka were really, really good. And not just in the junior ways, but I like the translation of their game. Stutzla being the superstar potential and Paterka being kind of a meat and potatoes guy, but who always makes the simple play and makes it very well, which is a very good trait to have when you're, when you have his size and his skating ability. Now I don't want to go off on Sabres tangents. I try not to. (laughs) I, my, my love, my love for JJ Paterka watching him in the juniors just gross. Like if you watch him and you watch Jack Quinn, you would think Paterka went eighth and Jack Quinn went in the early second round. Yeah. So, well, Quinn was, Quinn didn't, I mean, Quinn was surrounded by superstars. So, Right, uh, but still played very well. I, I've actually kind of grown on Quinn. I still think he's very much a raw prospect. He, he, yeah. when he played, we played in the juniors. He was a defensive forward. He was a penalty killer. He was a guy who played hard on the boards, and he seemed more even like a playmaker, almost like he was playing center. So I still think that he could figure it out and be even different than we see him now. And everyone will look back and say, you know what, Buffalo was right for seeing this raw ability. And in a couple of years, they had themselves a really good player. At least that's my hope. But again, not to dive into the Sabres too much. Let's let's go to the Canadians. So talking about so Montreal yeah, and their offseason. <laughs> so, uh, you know, fair amount of change there too, right? I mean, they lost uh, Max Domi. That's huge. Um, there's a guy that no one will talk about that I think they, they'll miss, and that's Dale Weiss. I think he's a real character player. Um, and one of those guys that makes a strong contribution in the locker room that I think that team, uh, talking to some friends who've been in and out of that locker room, it seems to have, uh, not the best dynamic. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, so the team has struggled to find that dy- dynamic. One of the symptoms of that was, uh, um, letting go of PK Subban a few years ago, right? Um, there there just seems to be conflict between management and the players, coach and the players, management and the coach. Uh, it's an intense pressure cooker hockey environment, kind of like Vancouver is. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't think that uh, players are reacting well there. Um, so, I mean, you get Jake Allen in goal. Um, they picked up Tyler Toffoli from Vancouver. Corey Perry, again, Corey Perry is awesome in 2005, right? <laughs> but it's 2020. And uh, um, uh, yeah, again, I think Max Domi's going to, losing him is really going to kill him. Now, I will say as as someone who's a Blue Jackets fan, Josh Anderson, when healthy, is a difference maker. He -hmm. is every bit of a hard-charging power forward with skill that every team covets. But again, I look at Montreal, I don't see a first line. They they have some good pieces. I don't say Brendan Gallagher's a top-line guy. I don't Jonathan Druans at 25 now is what he is. He's a 40 point guy who's paid like a 70 point guy. Uh, Tatar is again, a nice complimentary piece with a lot of skill to Foley has been a first line guy. When the other two guys on his line were really good. He's not a line driver. I just don't see a lot of guys that carry the mail on this team. Yeah. Gallagher and Petrie, uh, Jonathan Druan Gallagher's a Vancouver kid. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I like their individual game. I like the combo of Gallagher and Petrie. Um, I don't, I don't see much else happening there. I mean, you're going to lean hard on Carey Price, which they've done now for how many years? Um, Everyone uh, has been will, there a, a decade. <laughs> yeah, Jake Allen will take a little of that load, but he's he's uh, he's coming off a couple of rough seasons with a few different teams, right? So. Um, well, let's, you know, uh, what? I, I, Jake Allen is, to me is a good example of what happens to a lot of goalies in the NHL. And I'll get your thoughts 
whether you agree or disagree. It goaltenders, it almost seems like they're like relief pitchers in baseball. So you always have your elite ones that are good no matter what. And they're on good teams. And part of the reason they're on good teams is because they're on them. And then you have a lot of guys with a lot of talent, but it's kind of circumstance. It's, are you at a peak physical condition? Are you, you know, or do you have like nagging injuries or how's your team in front of you performing? And I I remember that's the corollary I use because some relievers, it's, they have a bad year, but they're not bad. They go to another place and then they're rejuvenated and then they have 40 saves and um, 40 baseball saves. And Jake Allen always seemed to me a guy like that. He almost brought the Blues to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago and was really good. And he's kind of been fluctuating. He wasn't good. He was hurt. Bennington took his job. He was pretty good last year, probably better than Bennington. Uh, as someone who is a Vancouver fan, I, I'm sure you probably thought it was good news when they went back to Bennington at the latter part of that series after Allen came in and kind of steadied the ship. Yep. Yeah, that was interesting dynamic, right? I, and, and you know, you've got to wonder how that affects a guy. Um, but, you know, I just looked him up. He's uh, 30 years old. So he should be in his prime as a goalie. I would say he had, uh, you know, he had peak years, 2017, 2018, 2019. Played a lot of games, got a lot of dubs. He, uh, he's, uh, I, I've always felt like he could be one of those elite goalies. He's so close to it, but, uh, isn't quite there. And, it, and, you know, I wish that there was a team right now. We kind of have a, have a glut of elite goalies, uh, throughout the league. And, uh, um, you know, I wish it was kind of a weaker, uh, roster because now is the time when he should get his shot as a starter and he could potentially deliver the mail on that but that's not going to happen in montreal um i mean carry price typically plays like 90 percent of the season and that's kind of the only way you can get maximum output from him is to put him in net every night so uh i don't see what's jake gonna play he's gonna play like five six games uh prior to the playoffs i don't know um seems like uh seems like uh less than he's capable of delivering I really like the Joel Edmondson signing for them yeah. or the trade where they got his rights and then signed him. I, I thought he was really good in St. Louis. And, you know, Victor Matei uh, flashed as a prospect, kind of middling a little bit. But after this long offseason, maybe he's ready to make a jump. And then all of a sudden, that's a very stable decor with with Petrie and with Shea Weber and uh, uh, who else? That? Ben Sherratt, uh, who's always been a very steady, calming influence as a Kind of a depth defenseman, but a good one who doesn't get caught in bad spots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I, uh, I, uh, I'm not. I'm not holding out high hopes for Montreal either. That's all right. As a, Buffalo, as a Buffalo fan, I'm always happy to watch uh, Boston, Toronto, and Montreal not be good. Although uh, we'll talk. I'm, well, we'll get to Toronto at some point, but um, they they have since this is an Arizona-based hockey podcast, we do love our Austin Matthews talk. But let's let's. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into the top four. So now we're into our playoff teams. Who do you have finishing fourth in this division? Uh, toss up between Edmonton and Calgary, third and fourth. All right. Let's. So let's. We'll talk about. We'll talk about Edmonton first. Yeah. So let's let's get to the. I. Yeah. So well, just because it's easier. It's you have two of the top five, six players in the league. Two of the top three. I mean, where do you? I mean, I still have McDavid one as far as. This is someone who's should be he should have been the MVP the last five years because he's the most valuable player in the league. But yeah, especially to that team. Well, and Drysaddle wins the heart last year with an unbelievable year. And Nugent Hopkins has done a good job in turning himself into a top six winger. And you have some depth guys. I mean, their their D is just it's full of kids who have never turned the corner. And that's what worries me. I and I really, really don't like their goaltending. I think Koskinen is kind of overpaid Mike Smith is on his last legs but boy the star power takes you a long way in hockey not as far as it does in basketball but it's it's really hard to bet against two heart trophy level guys on one team I mean Pittsburgh is the prime example of this I have to say this I'm a tall goalie people are always questioning the height of my pads but uh, I assure you they're just barely NHL legal but when I look at Smith's pads they are they must be 40 inches tall they look like the they twin are, towers when they were, you know, yeah. it, it just looked like two skyscrapers next to each other. 
And, uh, you know, you have to watch him really close to even understand how he moves into the butterfly with pads that tall. Uh, it's, he's got an insane setup, um, for doing it. It's, it's, uh, and even so it's still like this physical contortion that he goes into every time he goes into the butterfly. Um, but yeah, I guess he's, uh, how old is he now? He's, uh, he's gotta be 38 or Smith is 38. Is that a good guess? Um, well, I, it's not a guess. I have it up here on my laptop. Say that again. It's not a, it wasn't a guess. I have it up here on the laptop. I got captured. No, no, I, I guessed it. I didn't oh, you guessed it. it. Yes. Yes. Good guess by you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I've always liked him as a goalie, but obviously he's, he's a grandfather. So, um, yeah. And, and who's the starting goalie that's Koskinen or? I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to tandem it, but it was Koskinen and the year. He makes more money. I mean, Smith was yeah. brought in afterwards. They they put yeah. all their chips in the Koskinen basket and let uh, Cam Talbot walk away a couple of years ago. Anyway, so here's another thing people won't talk about. Uh, I'll talk. Carl Turris is from around here. So uh, actually, he's not originally from around here, but he lives here. Um, uh, but they picked him up. Edmonton picked him up. And uh, I think he's a great player. Little guy, but, uh, but uh, really fast, great hands. Um, that's going to play well. He'll, I guess that'll, he'll be rendered on the second line. Uh, and that'll beef up that, uh, that, that performance. Um, but again, they didn't lose a ton over this off season, uh, considering what they picked up Tyson Berry, Pulley Um, so, I mean, they'll be better. Uh, that's why I didn't put them at the bottom. Uh, there's still this weird dynamic, uh, the coaching dynamic there, uh, continues to be odd. Um, uh, but I mean, you've got probably two of the best players in the league, two of the top five players in the league, I'd say. Um, how can you go too wrong with that? I, I just think that it's, it's a depth problem. I do too. There's just, I have them missing the playoffs. Now they've missed the playoffs with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing at that level before now dry kind of went to another level i just it's a tough division i think i think the top six of winnipeg and connor hellebuck get them into the top four and i have montreal ottawa and edmonton on the outside now if edmonton wins the division i also wouldn't be surprised if if you got teams on back-to-back nights that can't skate with connor mcdavid and you have connor mcdavid and leon dry getting you a lot of points in overtime i mean those small things in a short season might be enough to get them over the hump and defensively, like just from goaltending forward, defensively they're really challenged, right? They normally they'd have Kleppbaum, but he's injured, so uh, who knows when they're going to see him back? Um, but I don't know how you compete uh, on the defensive side with that team, with that well, roster. And they'll have a they have a Edmonton native Tyler Ennis back on the roster, a guy that's been a sneaky good depth forward that's able to yeah. chip in some goals as the kind of fourth lines in the NHL have turned from bruisers to water bugs who t- other teams at least have to defend. So I think that's, uh, no, I mean, there's, there's going to be goals there. It's whether they can keep them out at enough of a clip to stay competitive in games, get games to overtime to let McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of take over. So I think you said you had uh, Calgary as well with Edmonton. Yep. Kind of at the, yep. I have them making the playoffs too. So let's, Let's well, Markstrom is a huge deal for Calgary. I think that's can't be understated or overstated. Um, uh, Chris Tanev. I don't know if you've had much of a chance to watch Tanev play, but he's a really I, gritty, I used to, great defenseman. He was a guy I always wanted on Buffalo as someone who's a who, who prime example of a defense first, shot suppressing defenseman. I think it, once he's you know healthy and gets some run in the playoffs. He, I mean, he is a shot suppressor. He is a zone controller. A guy doesn't chip in a lot of offense. That's why a lot of people might not know who he is. But when healthy, has been one of the better. He's like he's almost like a Mark Edward Vlasic type. Now, only in that, bigger and meaner. Only bigger and meaner. Vlasic's got a little bit more wiggle to him, and he's better offensively. Yeah. But again, these were guys that are really underrated for their shutdown role. And now you have. Another another Hannafin is now twenty three. Rasmus Anderson's now twenty four. Valamaki got some time last year to kind of shore up the D. I mean, Markstrom and Riddich, both these guys were all stars last year. 
And Markstrom is just now 30 hitting his prime. Someone who really had to take his lumps as a young goalie in the league, but he's come through on the other side as one of the better goalies in the league and showed it. And again, you have another team with a good top six. You know, see, Markstrom can steal games. He can steal games that his team shouldn't win. And he did that a lot last year and especially the year before. Um, and uh, so Calgary's going to need that, right? Because, you know, uh, they've, they're, they're a little shy on defense right now. So uh, yeah, I I I I I think we're all going to miss Markstrom here on the West Coast. That's for sure. We're going to see a lot of them, and it's going to suck. And uh, he knows these guys on the Canucks extraordinarily well. He's going to see them. How many games are they going to play against each other? Probably eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Either eight or nine. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be tough to watch. I think he's going to rob some uh, games. So. I, I guess the last question to close the loop on the Flames is Goudreau, a little bit of a down year. Is he starting his decline as as the as the smaller guys kind of get into their late twenties and lose that kind of elite skating and wiggle? They seem to be a little bit more defensible. So he went from ninety nine points in the last full season we had to fifty eight points in seventy games. Still not a bad total. Um, there are other rumors swirling from my Calgary sources about what was going on, but is he back to the, uh, over a point a game guy that he's been in the past? I think he could be, uh, I, I don't see Calgary bringing in a lot of support for him. Right. Um, I don't know who plays on that line with him other than Monaghan. Um, uh, yeah, you have so, Chuck and Backlund are the second line. Yeah. Um, Elias Lindholm, I remember playing with Goudreau and, uh, the most, I believe if I, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I don't have the bat phone to coach Johnny. He would know, but it's been a while since <laughs> I watched the flames play. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I yeah. Looking at it now, I, I, I think more, I, I think I favor Edmonton over Calgary actually. And I know you went the other direction, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I think, I'm not. You know, I, I'm by no means the world's greatest hockey prognosticator. I'll be the first one to tell you. Marshall's going to have a tough, tough year, but I think he's going to rob games. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, it's interesting that Hamannick ended up in Vancouver, whereas you know uh, Levo, Tanev, Markstrom all went from Vancouver to Calgary. Uh, I think we just heard yesterday that uh, Hamannick made the roster, so he's probably going to suit up tonight. Along with, uh, anyway, we'll talk about Vancouver later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see enough moves having been made by Calgary, um, considering where they landed this past year. But they'll still be in the playoffs under your prediction. And with Markstrom, yep. Yep. they're going to they're gonna have as good a chance as any. All right, who do you have is, so you have more of a solid top three. Who's, who, who do you have as number three in this division? Oh, no, we did three. We did three and four, so now oh, we're we on two. So sorry, now, sorry. Now we're but, on the Leafs. We're we got two left. Leafs. We got the Leafs in Vancouver. I I just think the Leafs locker room is going to be the most fun locker room in the division this year, with with uh, Joe showing up and you got Wayne Simmons showing up. That's going to be a hoop. Even Zach Bogosian, they're going to be they're going to be fun. That's Are they still going to like cool Zach team. Bogosian when he tries to skate the puck up the ice and loses it a lot? <laughs> well, you know. Uh, no, depending I, on what line he lands on, look, I guess I guess I'll go, yeah, I guess I'll go on my Zach Bogosian <laughs> tangent here as someone who watched yeah. a lot of Sabres games, and you understand why the guy went fourth. He is six three. He's two forty. Yep. He skates like the wind. He hits like a hammer. His shot is blisteringly hard. Just a lot of bonehead puck decisions, especially in his own zone where it's. Whew, it's it, 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 he's not quite the the operator that a guy like Keith Yandel is, where you kind of live with some of the bad for everything he puts on the table. But again, I digress. He's now a million dollar a year guy. He's a third pair guy. He's fine. But I, well, when you look at this roster, him. it's still really, really high end and and really good. Even though they 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 had to trade a couple guys in the off season to be cap compliant, they had to send Andreas Janssen for basically nothing. Yep, which is how you get Wayne Simmons and Joe Joe signed for what a million bucks or something. Yeah, or and, not even league minimum, whatever it was. You you gotta and boy, I I'm a I'm a big Wayne Simmons guy. I think he's you know he has he fell off of a top six guy, but as a bottom six guy, 
I still think there's a lot done. I, I saw a lot of good and bad from Jimmy VC last year. And again, Simmons and VC are two guys on the Sabres that I watched a lot at, at times. VC looked like I uh, looked like a second line left winger at times. He looked like an AHL guy and it, it, it's had a lot of ups and downs, but I, I think on a team like this, that tends to have the puck in the offensive zone more than Buffalo did, which is almost every team you could say, I, I think he's going to show up better. I like, I like Kerfoot. I lo- you know, and then you have your, your top end talent, Austin Matthews. Now a guy who skates around Scottsdale and a Scottsdale native and who uh, I heard in the off season from articles. I think there was one in the athletic I was talking about. Who, with Coach who, Rob who last are you night. talking about? Kerfoot's not a Scottsdale. Native. No, no, no. Matthews. Oh, Matthews. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I was talking with coach Rob about an article in the athletic. He saw that he he's been working with Patrick Kane's trainer and he's playing at two ten. So, I mean, a, a guy who, whose shot is going to get maybe even a little whippier than it is now. And who's really like, almost like Eichel, a guy who's lethal. And once he crosses the red line, he's a threat to score. Yeah. And then John and Tavares. Play together all summer, right? Yeah. And then John Tavares is a guy who runs a line for you too. And it's like, Oh, right. We have John Tavares also running a line for us. So, I mean, it's just, I, I think it's a question of, and I think Frederick Anderson takes a lot of flack unnecessarily. I think he's a really good goalie. I, I, I have, I think he is a top end goalie. He had Nate, his best year last year. And, and again, a team that takes a lot of punches to throw a lot of punches, yeah. uh, but are really good at it. They, they're, they're the warrior. They're the golden state warriors. They want to outscore you. <laughs> maybe we don't, maybe we don't try on defense as much as we should, but we're going to bomb a bunch of threes and we're going to have Austin Matthews and John Tavares skate around in your zone for three quarters of the game. So good luck. Now, again, I, I mean, maybe I, I, I wouldn't say exposed is the right word because I think people are still like, Oh man, Columbus comes out of nowhere. Columbus is really, really good team and have been a really, really high end Stanley cup level team the last two years. I, I don't, I don't put a lot of shame in losing to them, especially in the playoffs, the way they play. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, they they had a bit of a they had a bit of a magical run there. So, um, yeah, I I I think Toronto's underperformed, but I, maybe these are the elements that uh, that it actually really needs to compete. I, I I think that you know, again, I think that they've the the only thing they've suffered for is uh, uh, the team dynamic, the locker room, uh, those sort of uh, the chemistry issue. Uh, but uh, that's what happens when you lean on a couple guys who are fresh into the league, right? So as a Vancouver fan, is Toronto your biggest rival? Because you have, even though they don't play against you, Calgary and Edmonton, you know, the Battle of Alberta always takes that. Winnipeg's kind of back in the league. Is it a is it a West Coast big city, Ontario big city thing? Do you, do you yeah, it's sort of a... Hone in on the Leafs, and now you, now you get them in the same division for the first time. Yeah, well, not for the first time. Well, but, since uh, 1993 or four? <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. Uh, but, yeah, but uh, that animosity is still there, and there's always an uh, there's a natural animosity that supersedes hockey between Toronto and Vancouver, so that's uh, always going to be helpful. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I see these guys going right down to the wire, uh, beating beating the heck out of each other uh, all season long. And uh, I think this there's going to be some of the best hockey in their division between these two teams. So that's a gift for me. And TJ, TJ Brody's a good pickup. I think he's like Nikita Zaitsev, just maybe like 110% of Nikita Zaitsev and what he gives you. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So, we, so we're we, off to the, off to the winning team. We made it. We made it to number one. So here you go. You know, we, I have coaches of mine that come on the podcast that are fans in the divisions we go for. And I usually give them a lane. I gave coach Dan, a, <laughs> I gave, and I think, uh, I, I think you might remember Dan. He was a smaller guy with a beard that played with us in, uh, in, uh, Scottsdale a couple of years ago. He's a big Kings guy, coach Trent, who's a newer coach we have. He's, he's a big ducks guy. We had coach Brad on. He's a big caps guy. I'm going to have coach Max and coach Jeremy on later. They're Chicago and Detroit time, uh, fans. So they might yield their time to some other teams just just because it might be too painful for them this year. But this is your Vancouver Canucks lane. I'm going to turn my mic on mute. Fire away. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't leave me out here alone. <laughs> no, well, but I, I should, talk about, I should, talk about their offseason a little this. bit. 
Uh, and like any like any lifelong Vancouver Canucks fan, I have a second team. My second team, as you know, is the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, but uh, uh, as for the Canucks, uh, I my pick for top of the division. That's not an uncommon prediction this year. Uh, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Who's the t- so we've got you know we've got uh, Quinn, we've got. Uh, uh, Patterson, who's the top scorer last year for the Vancouver Canucks? Well, since since you sound a little bit, uh, is it was it Bo Horvat? Nope. Oh, it was JT Miller, wasn't it? Yep. All right. So let me. So JT Miller, he's from he's from Youngstown area. He's from East Palestine, Ohio. I used to referee games with him and his little brother growing up. Uh, he was mainly a Pittsburgh area kid, but him and there's these two brothers called the Hauser brothers. And one of them is Michael Hauser, who was a goalie who kind of bounced around uh, the minor leagues a lot, still in the minor leagues. So I, I will always have unabashed love for JT Miller. That's great. So, I, you know, he's the reason, I think, that you can you can kind of let go of guys like Toffoli and Levo. Um, he had performed way beyond expectations when he came. He came to camp, I think, on a PTO. He was a free agent. And uh, so, I mean, just to go from there to being top scorer on the team, it's just an incredible journey. So, uh, uh, you know, one of the reasons the Canucks do some stuff that other people think is weird is they're still hampered by some bad contracts uh, made during the Gillis era, right? So uh, you're still paying for Roberto Luongo, who's right now sitting at home. Ryan Spooner, too. (laughs) Oh, really? I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, but I'm thinking of I'm thinking of um, Luongo and uh, Louis Erickson, right? Which they're still trying to get out from under. I think this is the last year of the Erickson three whatever it is million dollar contract. Um, but uh, it's really hampered their ability to field a full depth team. Um, and it's one two of more, the two why more years to Erickson. Sorry to tell you, still oh, there's still two more. Two more this year and next. Yeah. And you still have uh, Sven Bershke on the on the books this year for he's about two and two point two two point three of buried money. Uh, isn't he? Didn't he get picked up somewhere? Uh, well, I, I cap friendly has him as on the buried list, so he's still yeah. counting against the cap. Bummer. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, uh, so there's a bunch of these. Uh, that's not a Gillis contract, but. Uh, uh, so I'm trying to lay this, whatever bad happens at the feet of Mike Gillis still, even though he hasn't been a GM for five years. But um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, that's why you have things like losing Markstrom as he comes off his best year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that picking up Braden Holtby, that's a really good opportunity. He's a great guy. Um, so here's and- a little a counterpoint. Coach Brad is a big Caps fan. What the comment he made was that after Mitch Korn was no longer the goaltending coach on Washington is when you start to see the decline of Holby's play. What do you think about that? Uh, not familiar with Mitch Korn, but uh, uh, goaltending coaching in Vancouver is exceptional. So if if there is anything left in the tank for Holby, I think that we'll be able to pull it out here. So. Uh, uh, that being said, the defense has retained a lot of strength, even with the loss of uh, Chris Tanev. Um, so uh, I can easily see uh, some of the some of the cap challenges being overcome with some of these pickups. Um, would I rather have Jacob Markstrom? Absolutely, but uh, Braden Holpe uh, and a solid backup is is pretty good. Is a pretty good Thatcher Demko is pretty awesome. And it's quite possible that you'll see Demko actually be the starter. Um, so I think, uh, and he demonstrated that in the playoffs just this past season. So, um, yeah, I'm not super worried about the defense, that's for sure. Um, uh, I'm, I think Hoglander is going to dress tonight. And if he can make the squad, then you've got a really youthful top line and even a pretty youthful second line. Um, so uh, I see a lot of scoring coming out of this team and really balanced scoring as was the case last year, right? So you had quite a big distribution of, uh, goals and assists on the top two lines, even the third line, 
was above average for the league. So uh, I think uh, this is going to be a real fun season, a really youthful team. Pedersen is just insane to watch. Um, uh, Quinn is doing super well. Um, and an underrated, well, uh, to me, kind of underrated moves in the offseason that I really liked were Brandon Saad, Joel Edmondson, as we mentioned earlier, Brandon Saad, you know, basically retained salary given to Colorado. And then Nate Schmidt, who's not only has he been a kind of a top end guy for Vegas for a couple of years now, has experience as a lefty playing the right side. You can even, in theory, play him and Hughes together. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of ways to move all those bits around right now. Um, uh, we've got a Ben brother. That's not hurtful. Uh, I love Brock Besser on the wing. He's he's bulked up quite a bit. Um, uh, we've we've the basket case on the team right now is probably Vertanen. Um, he's uh, but he seems to have uh, got religion and figured out that he needs to actually work at it to compete in this game. So this is his season to kind of this is kind of make or break season with the team, and I think he's figured that out. So I'm. Uh, I'm somewhat uh, uh, optimistic about his ability to actually be a leader on this team as well. But you just go up and down the roster, and with some of these other guys coming in uh, on D, Joel Levy, um, uh, Hamannick, you know, so that should cover off some of the losses. What are your thoughts on Tyler Myers as your highest paid defenseman and a guy who, if you don't make that contract, you maybe have money to bring back Markstrom? Uh, yeah, I mean, so Myers is now, I'm just looking it up. Myers is now 30. So, uh, I just like his size, right? But, but so the question, the open question for him is going to be, uh, you know, are the Zidane Charas of the league? Is there a role for them still? Well, he's never had the, the, he's never had, he had this height, but not the physicality of Chara because he's always been a more slender guy. He's never really filled yeah. out. I mean, Chara is, he's a movie monster. Like he needs to fight Godzilla in a sequel. <laughs> yeah. He's only two thirty, So he's, he's, he's uh, five inches taller than me and uh, five pounds heavier than me. That's crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like him as a, as a D he's, he's a good shutdown guy. He's got incredible reach, obviously. Um, his positioning is always pretty good. Uh, uh, so, uh, what's he get paid? Did you look him up on cap friendly? Six million a year. Well, as as a again as a Buffalo fan, he won the Calder in Buffalo. He's part of the Evander Kane Zach Bogosian trade. That was a one for one. Right. Almost right. was part, the the part of that deal that was a one for one was almost Myers for Bogosian. Is guys with good contracts who are maybe need a change of scenery. I would say it's definitely gone better for Myers. I just remember. As when he won the Calder, he was an offensive or he was a defensive zone exit machine, and I think he kind of got figured out a little bit on that. And he's now he's kind of refined his all around game, but he never really recaptured that offensive spark he was able to do as a Calder winner. Maybe it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's just no one no one really expected him to skate pucks out of zones, but his zone breakouts were really good and. Again, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if he's a six million dollar a year defenseman, but uh, a guy that you're happy you have on your team. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the knock on Vancouver's D the last few years has been like they weren't big, right? Uh, that's why you had Good Branson here. Uh, it's, 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 you know, kind of their biggest guy over the last six years has been Alexander Edler, right? And he's only, well, he's six three. That's good height for a hockey player but uh but i don't think that for a long time vancouver canucks defense has been feared by other teams and so entry into the zone has been uh, not something uh, that other teams are, are particularly concerned about so having a taller bigger guy you know it'd be nice if myers could keep some speed and gain some gain some strength but uh that's not going to happen at 30 uh so, yeah, I didn't know he was a six million guy, but uh, you know, if I I'd pay him at four, I'd be happy with him at four. So, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I, yeah, he's got to overperform. But you take him out of the lineup, and the D starts to get small pretty fast, right? Like you got uh, Quinn Hughes, who's generously five ten, and uh, um, he's he's one other guy who's bulked up this summer, but uh, he's still like. Uh, Stiff winded, blow him over. So yeah, if, if, uh, Quinn, if Quinn Hughes is five ten, Paul and I are five nine. <laughs> so so I think uh, uh, you know you got to have that right. But uh, um, let's give him a career year and then maybe move him out. I don't know when his contract's up, but uh, but uh, he'd look great on half a dozen other teams in the NHL at least. So. Um, you I, could bring in you could bring in a, a tougher guy, uh, which might be the thinking behind bringing in Hamannick. But uh, even he is only two hundred five. I, I love everything I saw out of Hughes. I I think he I think he's going to be on the top end of scoring defenseman this year too. Very much in the For top sure. five. And I'm with you on the top two. I I have I have Toronto one, Vancouver two. Calgary three and I have Winnipeg sneaking in at four. So let me ask you now that we've, now that we've set the deck for you, um, I, you know what? I'll go first. I ha- I have Toronto making the final four. I, I, I don't have a lot of empirical evidence for that. I just think, I just think night in night out goal scoring in a short season. And again, uh, overtime points, the, the, t- the high end talent they have playing back to backs, maybe your defensive setup night in night out is not, as good as it is in normal years when you have a little more rest in between games. And I think, it, I just think it's their year. I think Freddie Anderson has been really good. I think they've done good things on their D. I think their top six is the best you have in this division. And I just, I just think their combination at all three ends with that high end talent and with Freddie Anderson as the backstop, just it's, they've now had some disappointments in the playoffs. They play a team like Columbus. And as we've seen from the last couple of years, Teams that lose to Columbus tend to learn lessons and tend to be really good. Uh, Tampa had to, had to <laughs> overcome that demon. Boston the year before had to get through a really good series against uh, Columbus. I, I, I yeah. So for no other reason that maybe I'm just kind of a Columbus homer, I'm going to pick Toronto. But go ahead. Who makes the final four? I'm pretty sure I know your answer, and probably everybody listening does too, but go ahead. Uh, so the final four from across the league? No, no. Who who comes out of the North to enter the final four oh, after oh, the playoff? Oh, sure. Well, obviously Canucks, Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, right? Um, yeah, I'm not a big not a big uh, optimist on uh, Winnipeg, especially given the. Uh, but but who come who after the first two playoff rounds? Who who from this division goes to the Stanley Cup final four? Well, I'm obviously going to say Vancouver, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> No big surprise there. I, this is, you know, Vancouver is kind of an unexpected. They were supposed to be rebuilding, right? So this was supposed to be a down cycle while they. Uh, well, when you have a team that gives you a guy like Nate Schmidt and you have a team uh, like Tampa who, well, for a first round picks are not cheap, but gives you a guy like JT Miller for a, a draft pick in the 20s. I mean, you can turn it around pretty quickly with a guy like Pedersen and Hughes turning, uh, having star like qualities and becoming superstars in a short amount of time. Yep. So I, I think uh, a lot of us were critical of Vancouver for kind of trying to play the middle at the beginning of this thing, but that turns out to have been a pretty good strategy. And I guess that comes from having a lot of faith in guys like Pedersen and uh, Hughes and uh, Besser. And, uh, you know, there has been... Horvat, uh, Horvat's very underrated. Yes, yes. He's a really good guy, too. And... Uh, uh, totally deserving of the captaincy as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think these guys are over-delivering. I, I, I think uh, the team was doing its best to kind of under-promise. And, in fact, you know, it's one of the reasons Lyndon left the team uh, was because he was more invested in uh, ground-up rebuild and, you know, let's suck for five years and hopefully we get a great team out of that at the back end. But uh, we kind of played the middle here, and it's working out. The team's been pretty close every year, and uh, uh, their playoff fate is kind of hinged on one or two goals, basically, the last three seasons. I mean, you knocked out so, the cup champs last year. Yep. You're right in so, it. So, how cool is that? I got one more hard-hitting question for you. Uh-oh. All right. So, if you emptied out 
Well, I'll say it like this. If you're starting a team up tomorrow, if there's kind of a fantasy draft to fill NHL rosters, are you taking Austin right, Matthews? Well, it, it gets to pick like seven or eight. And you have as your top two, as you're staring between a decision of Austin Matthews and Elias Pettersson. Who are you taking for your team? And try and wow. maintain some objectivity if you can. I can't have both here? No. Um, you got to pick I guess one. I wouldn't get them both in two successive rounds. No. Um, Austin Matthews. That's a, this is our Arizona. This is our Arizona-based Tucson based because Austin Matthews has family that actually own a restaurant here in Tucson. That's so that's true. our that's our Tucson that's our Tucson Austin Matthews connection. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to base it off of points. Uh, I'm going to base it off of emotion. So uh, for emotional reasons, Austin Matthews is 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 the better all-around hockey player. No question. So if all you're looking to do is put the maximum number of pucks in their net and minimum number in your net, then he's the choice. I will say Pedersen is a much more exciting hockey player to watch. And some of the goals he gets as a goalie, speaking as a goalie, some of the goals he gets are just shocking. And uh, so if you, if you really look at his, uh, at his swing, you can't tell when he's going to shoot. Um, there's no windup. There's, he's perfected the snapshot and, uh, his accuracy is insane. If you show him anything as a goalie, it's going in and, uh, shoot while moving something. All my kids have heard me say a million times when your feet go quiet, the goalie knows it's coming. Yep. And, uh, so I just, I, I just for excitement, I, I have to go Patterson. And I've spent a lot of time watching both guys. And I think, you know, Austin Matthews is probably the better all-rounder. But his goals are are expected. And uh, and Pedersen will shock you with the goals he scores. And that's, for me, that's kind of what makes hockey exciting. All right. All right. One, I guess one more. This is not a hardball question. Are, are you a little more excited now, now that we've shoffed it up some? And the season starts today and you get to watch? This division, yeah, kick it off today. I'm going to hit the rowing machine and watch my first Canucks game of 2021. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I can't wait to get out on the ice myself. This this game always has a lot more relevance when I can compare it to my own experiences. But uh, you know, the uh, next best thing is getting to watch the pros play and uh, talking about it with guys like you. Ian, I appreciate you coming on today. Stay safe up there in Vancouver, and we'll cycle back again as the season goes along to see how our predictions do. And hopefully we'll get to play some hockey in this calendar year together down here in Arizona. That would be Or or maybe maybe they'll let Americans back up there again. Maybe I can come up there for a change. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. I'm not. I'm not for sure. All right. (laughs) Ian, thanks for joining us. Uh, Ian Bell, uh, you have a lot of titles. I'll call you an entrepreneur. First and foremost, yeah, hockey true. lover, probably equally. Yeah. All right. That was episode. Have a great season, guys. Thank you, Ian. We appreciate it. And that's episode 14 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast brought to you by Altitude Home Loans and Danny Platner, the vice president and senior loan officer, NMLS 223426. The company's NMLS is 1955555. Arizona number 1007669 and Altitude Home Loans is an equal housing lender. All right, we're three divisions down. We got one left of the Central. We're going to get these posted. So we will see you for the Central Division preview with Coach Jeremy and Coach Max, and we will see you next time.